Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have, the opportunity we have tonight to study your word. We trust you with this hour that, Lord, you will bless it and make it to be fruitful for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are looking at praying with all prayer. It's part of a teaching on prayer because we are dedicated this month to praying and fasting. Our text comes from Ephesians 6, 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Uh, before we go and talk about it, just want to mention some benefits of prayer that we wait our appetite so we can really pray meaningfully this period. We cannot live a spirit-filled life without a vibrant life of prayer. It's not possible. We just cannot. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, the disciples, the early apostles, they said, but we must, we will give ourselves continually, continually to prayer, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You will not develop a spirit-filled life without continually giving yourself to prayer and the ministry of the word. Number two, prayer is a spiritual generator. It's a spiritual generator to produce spiritual power. <clears throat> In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest, earnest prayer, that's supplication, earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It generates great power. It generates great power. Prayer is really fellowshipping with God. Prayer is partnering with God. Prayer is obeying God, because God said we should pray. Prayer generates power in the life of a Christian who really takes prayer seriously. And this generation of power needs to continue. Like we said, they said we'll give ourselves continually to prayer. And that's what First Timothy Thessalonians 5.17 is saying. Never stop praying. That's the thing. Never stop Praying with me. Don't give up on prayer no matter what. Don't be tired. Don't say, I prayed. No, no. Don't give up. Continue to pray. Now, some people relegate prayer to the back and they substitute whatever. But we're seeing here that prayer is very, very, very important in the life of a Christian to partner with God, to generate divine power, to make things happen in his life and the lives of others too. Now, we're going to look at different types of prayer and the rules that guide them. Remember our text says, praying always with all prayer, which means it's not just one type of prayer that is the Holy Spirit has shown the church to pray, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So it's not just one type of prayer that the Bible reveals to us. 
There are different types of prayers. And the Holy Spirit is saying the Christian must engage all of them. Actually, it's part of your spiritual warfare. The Christian must engage all of them. Now, since we are instructed to pray with all manner of prayers in all locations, therefore, we cannot be praying just one type of prayer. If the Holy Spirit says, pray all manner of prayers, we just cannot get back by praying only one type of prayer. Different situations demand different types of prayer. About all that you hear, people do is ask, ask, keep asking, and asking some more. If they ask, 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 it's not they ask some more. That's about all you hear. I suppose that that could be one of the reasons that we really don't get answers because we're not doing what the Holy Spirit said. It says to pray with all manner of prayers. But here all we do is ask and ask, banging, banging, and we quote scripture, importunity. But when you ask, you're supposed to switch to, to praise. Exactly what the scripture instructed. You're supposed to switch from this prayer of, of petition, I mean prayer to get something, prayer of faith, you switch to prayer of praise. So you see, you are using, you are praying a different type of prayer now because you've come to a point where you have received, so you start thanking God. You're not going to wait until you see. You see, why you need to know all these type of prayers and know when to pray them and so that it works for you. So look at John 20, 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So when you are praying a prayer of faith, it comes to the point where you switch to praise and thanksgiving because you, you are not the proof that God has answered. It's not that you see. But if you don't know that you have, you must pray different type of prayers. You, seek, you keep asking, 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 and walking by sight and never get anything done. So as we study, we'll find that there are different types of prayers and are guided by different rules. The rules are not the same for each one of them. If we miss the rules, we miss, we pray amiss. We also find that we really need to pray a combination of prayers depending on circumstance. Like I've just shown an example. When you pray a prayer of faith, you've asked, when you, when you ask, believe you received, then you switch on to praise now. Because you believe that you've received. That's prayer of faith. But when we come to that, we say talk about that. So um, some people say, well, when do I know that I've received? You have the Holy Spirit in you now. When you have the peace that assures that this is done. Because the Holy Spirit must help you and guide you in everything. When internally you have the peace, sometimes you lose the anointing to pray for it. So you lose the unction to pray. You know that you're lost. You don't have that, uh, that uh, unction anymore to pray on this particular topic. But even you are praying on that topic, but this one, it's like you don't have that, uh, that kind of a, a move to pray about this thing. That could be the Holy Spirit assuring you that this, you don't need to pray anymore on this. So you switch to praise. Again, this is, people are at different levels of spiritual growth. Some people have grown in their relationship with God that they easily know the, the will of God, the mind of God, what the Holy Spirit is doing. Some people are still coming along. That's the, so everybody at the raised rate and the, the grace that works in their life. 
So don't you copy somebody, just go at your own rate and develop your own personal experience with God. That's called growth. You know, as you are developing it, you are improving, you are understanding, you are seeing how God was with you. You know, so this year, <clears throat> you are doing better than last year. The other person is growing too, you are growing too. You know, so that's how it works. Now, different types of prayer. Let's start with prayer of supplication and prayer of intercession. The reason we need to examine this is this, uh, the prayer of intercession is one of the most popular in Pentecostal circles. We have intercessory groups virtually everywhere. <laughs> well, so let's examine these scriptures and make sure that we are rightly really dividing the scriptures when it comes to prayers. Something as important as prayer should not be left to vagaries and copying people. It's something you should do your personal studies on if you really want to get it right. And you should get it right because you don't have any other God that answers prayer. So you should do your personal studies that will guide you aright. So you make sure your prayer works. So that's what is important. So especially this popular Pentecostal parlance of intercession. Everybody, man, you have so many groups interceding. So let's be sure we are correctly following scriptures as regards this intercession and uh, supplication and not just following popular unscriptural parlances and practices that we come up and say people do well from our own intercessory group, our own intercessory group. Then there's this popular thing, everybody has this deliverance group. It's not scriptural even to have stuff like that. It's not, because every Christian casts out demons. It's the name of Jesus that does it. Every Christian. Jesus said, everybody that believes in me, in my name, casts out demons. There's nobody that has special, special calling to cast out demons. It is this job of every Christian. When this devil shows up, you exercise divine-given authority. I will still teach on our authority that God has given us as the Lord leads us to. Not today, but some other time. So we see that we're not really using it. There is authority in prayer also. We're not really using it. I was giving an example as I said, have you realized that the, the Bible says, what things ever you disallow, heaven disallows. Which means God is waiting for you. He's giving you an authority. He gave you an authority to use to disallow things. I mean, you're sitting down there, you're not doing anything. They just be waiting for you now to disallow first. Whatever you allow, it's up to us. It's divine privilege, divine authority. It's not what we're talking about now, but I just wanted to mention it as we get along. So, this idea of, you know, deliverance group, and they cause confusion in churches. Intercessory, most of these intercessory groups, all they do is tell prophecy to each other from morning till night. They really do little prayer anyway. Because they don't understand what intercession is. It's prophecy. Most of it false. Not even true. All the time. But let's see what the scripture talks about prophecy. First Corinthians 14, 29. Let the prophet speak one or speak two or three. He didn't say you prophesy all night. Two or three. Church. Two or three. And let the other judge. 
People go and be receiving prophecy, prophecy. Me, you know, all night is prophecy. Most of it junk. It's not worth anything. It's not true. And some of it cause fear, consternations, destroy families. Your mother is costing you this. Your father is a witch. That's not prophecy anyway. Destroy marriages. Implanting fear into people. Let the prophet speak two or three. And let the other judge. If anything is revealed to another. That's seated by. Let the face hold his peace. Yeah, if you, you, you cannot prophesy one by one, but limit it to two or three. So that because other things that it, you need to do in your fellowship, you can't sit up and prophesy all night. Everybody prophesy. Thus says the Lord. God didn't say anything. Some of them is gossip fellowship. Let the first hold his peace, for ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn. See what prophesy is. When you speak by the simple gift of prophecy, I'm not talking of being a prophet, talking of simple gift of prophecy, that Paul says, I wish that everybody can do that. When you do that, all may learn and all may be comforted. Your mother is a witch, does not comfort anybody. She hasn't learned anything. Certainly hasn't learned to love and walk in love towards the mother. You created... Trouble in the family. Most of the woman is not a witch. And he says, you don't, you don't have to prophesy anyway. That's why I say two or three. He says, and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet. You can't say, God reveals something to me. I must say, no, you don't have to. Two or three, it's okay. Because you can say, okay, I will not say anything. That's what he said. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You can keep quiet. We've had enough. Oh, no, but that's not what you see. Intercessory group everywhere. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. Don't even know what prophecy means. Don't understand how it operates. Simple gifts of prophecy does not tell you about tomorrow. Does not foretell anything. It doesn't foretell anything. People, it speaks to a defy. To comfort. That's what it does. That's why I said, when they prophesy, so people will learn exhortation and be comforted. Look at First Corinthians 14. But he that prophesied, speaketh unto them into edification to build them up, exalt them, exhortation, encourage them, and comfort them. That's what he said when the spirit prophet speaks, he brings learning, he brings comfort. That is what it is. This is, what you, this is not what you see. This is not what people do. We're taking time here to clear up some of the junk that is all over the place. We can breathe some fresh air. Two or three. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Hold yourself. You mustn't say anything. Two or three. So intercession, what does it really mean? It means a go between two people who have issues. A person that takes the place of another person 
like our Lord Jesus came, took our place, died for us as our intercessor. A person that intervenes to settle an issue on behalf of another, you know, Jesus Christ is a typical example because he's the one that mediated peace between us and God. The Bible says we were enemies in our heart. We were enemies. Not that we loved God. Actually, we hated God. If you read the scripture, we really hated God. And Jesus came and paid the price for all that hatred and iniquity, carried it on himself, paid with his life, shed his blood to pay for our sins, and then created peace between us and God. There's nothing else that brings that peace except that Jesus paid the price for our sins and shed his blood to wash our sins. That's what brought the peace between us and God. That's why the Bible says he's the mediator of the new covenant. He's the guarantor of it. He mediated. Mediation is between two people who have issues. So you mediate it and bring peace. He's the prince of peace. He brought peace between us and God. So there is no more issue. That's what intercession means. Somebody who a go between, who go intercedes to bring peace between two people who are who have issues. Now, only once. People, only once in the New Testament was the church told to intercede. Just once. Not more than once. And they explained why and who and where. King James Version reads it like that. Now, let me explain something about all these modern translations, some of them are helpful in letting us understand, you know, the modern terms of some words. But let me say, it's unfortunate and to be regretted that some of the translators themselves do not have revelation of the Spirit of God. So they interpret grammatically because they are scholars. And some of them, you may not believe it, are not really, really believers in the real sense of it, if you care to know. I'll give you an example. You know, in translating Isaiah 53, the translators in some of this Bible, do not believe in divine healing. So they refused to translate exactly what the scripture said. And some of them resigned. Telling some of them resigned. So in order to make a compromise, they used the word weakness. In fact, they used other words. They didn't use the word in that Isaiah 53. They didn't use the word that he bore our sicknesses. Carried up in. They used some compromising word because they didn't believe in divine, in divine healing, divine healing at all. They don't. So you can see, in reading this kind of place like Isaiah 53, I had to go back to Young's Literal Translation that was published 1852. 1852. I listened to sermons that were preached 100 years ago. Those people knew what they were talking about. Things have been watered down, diluted. Over the years, these people understood what they knew what they are talking about. So I went to 1852. Let me show you an example in Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely our sicknesses he had borne, our pains he had carried them, and we 
we have esteemed him place meeting of God and afflicted. You see, surely our sickness is clearly. But you go to some translations, they will tell you he, it, it's our weakness. That's the word they will use. Does that teach you sickness? Does it mention sickness? So when you read, read in between lines and make sure you open your eyes and use King James' background study Bible and, and really, really search the scripture. Search to get the context of what the Spirit of God is saying. And don't take one, one verse. You need to have mouth of two or three witnesses. You get the context. If you come to Matthew, you see where Matthew wrote about this Isaiah thing. You will see exactly that I was talking about sickness too. So, in this context of, of um, um, intercession, King James Version mentions it only once. Only once. Many of these translations are using the word intercession just recklessly. Because to them, grammatically, they just think it's grammatical something. No, it's spiritual language. There's a revelation of it. So back to our discussion. In the entire New Testament, there is only one scripture that instructs the church to pray prayer of intercession. And it's not for believers. It's not for believers. But for all men. For all men and those in authority to be saved. It's not for believers. First Timothy 2, 1. I exhort therefore that first of all, that's what our problem is, because we don't pray first of all prayer. We are going to say we should start our prayer. First of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2. Who are the all men? For kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Three. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God for us, our God our Savior, who we have all men. Pray for all men. Intercession for all men. Entreaty, supplication, intercession for all men. Who will have all men to be saved? Which means you are praying for these people who are not saved. They are enemies of God. All men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. All men. Praying for all men to be saved. Not believers, not Christians, all men to be saved. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So you see, intercession is when you are praying for those who don't know Christ. All men to be saved. Kings. People in authority, so many of them are not saved. That's why they, make, they do all manner of things. All men. Some are, but some are not. And if there's any time we need this prayer, it's today. It's today. So, some people say, oh, we are being guided. The Holy Spirit is guiding me. No, the Holy Spirit can't guide you away from the Bible. Now He can't guide you. He wrote the Bible. He can't guide you away from the Bible. 
It's a dangerous thing. When you see people who say, the Holy Spirit is guiding me, I don't care what the Bible says, run for your life. Run immediately. Run. Look at scripture now. Psalm 13822. I mean, 1382. I will worship towards thy holy temple, praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. God has magnified his word above all his name. You can't talk with his word. The Holy Spirit cannot degrade the word of God and give you something contrary to what God has magnified above all his name. First Corinthians 4, 6. And, the, 4, 6. and these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. Don't exalt people above the word of God. That no man, no one of you be puffed up for one against the other. Now, the Bible says that the spirit and the word are one. So the Holy Spirit cannot instruct or guide you differently from the word. The word is God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word is God. It can't be different. God cannot violate his word. First John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So the Holy Spirit can guide you apart from what the Word has said. They are one. They are not disagreeing. They can't dis- the Holy Spirit cannot disagree with the Word. Because they are one. This Word is settled in heaven. They are one. It's up to you and me to, to settle it here on earth in our circumstance. But in heaven it's settled. There's no argument about it. So... Telling people, oh, the Holy Spirit is guiding me. The Holy Spirit told me, they told me, they didn't tell you nothing. They didn't tell you anything. You are told in yourself. Something like that. So if the Holy Spirit teaches us how to do intercession, by the word he wrote, he inspired holy men to write it. And Peter said, you do, do well to look at this scripture. Do well to read these things that are written. Then that's what we follow. Exactly that's what we follow. So the other scripture that mentions intercession is not by men. Intercession is by God, by the Holy Spirit, and by Jesus. No more. Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helped our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession. See that? This is the Spirit making intercession. Intercession. For us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he, he that searches the heart, the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He stands in the gap for us. He stands in the gap for us. Because we don't always get it right though. So he stands, we don't know how to pray. We don't, like for instance I say we don't know how to pray as we ought to now. So he comes to, to make, make it tough for us. Helps us out. Romans 8.34 Who is he that condemneth? Is it Christ that died? Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? Because of our sin, the blood continues to plead for us. The blood continues to plead for us. Because of our sin. This is the exclusive ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our, our great high priest. He ministers before God. 
with his blood on our behalf. The blood speaks mercy because we, we are not perfect. We are not perfect. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. This is exclusive ministry of Jesus and the Spirit of God on behalf of the saints of God. The high priestly ministry of Jesus. He's doing it for us. Why? We are not perfect. We still sin. We don't always believe the word of God. And unbelief is evil. We lie. We do lie. Carry resentment. All more of things. So we need that. We need that. Then Elisha, <laughs> Elisha went to pray against Israel. Now for you to stand up and say, let me intercede for a fellow Christian who stands the same privilege with you. You, are, you must have to cast that person as a sinner who needs help. Who needs help. And that's what Elisha did. Romans 11 2. God had not cast away his people, quit he for new. Would you not what the scripture said of Elias? How he make it intercession to God against Israel. Against Israel. Not for Israel. Against Israel. Saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thy altars and I'm left alone. And they seek my life. He's saying, These people are not good people. So I'm here. To pray for them. They are not good people. They, they, you have issues with them. You really have issues with them, God. Though. So for you to really say, I'm interceding for a Christian, you are telling God that that Christian has issues. <laughs> you are the one that is better. You are not. God has no preferences. All of us walk by grace. You are not. So verse 3. He said, Lord, they have killed their prophets, dig down their altars, and I'm left alone, and they seek my life. But what said the answer of God to him? God answered him back. I have reserved to myself 7,000 men. Stop that kind of thing. These are my covenant people. Who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, that's a remnant according to the election of grace. God said that 7,000 men, Elisha, stop that thing. Stop calling them. To stop reading accusations against them. That's the work of Satan. So he came and said, you know, they are bad. So I'm the good one. So I came to intercede for them. The Bible says he's doing intercession against the people of God. So for you to really say you're interceding for Christians, what you are saying to God is that they, they are not good. They are enemies. So I'm here to intercede for them. No, sir. God will tell you, no, I call them by grace. Wash them in the blood. They are my children. In fact, I celebrate them. They are accepted in the beloved. If I bless them with all spiritual blessings, they are my kids. Don't call my children my enemies. Now look at this, describe this prayer. When you pray for yourself, when you pray for yourself, you cannot say, I'm interceding for myself. You cannot. So if you cannot intercede for yourself, how can you intercede for the other Christian? Are you not saved by the same grace? 
So what do we do? We do prayer supplication for believers. A heartfelt entreaty for the saints. Don't humbly, not in arrogance of I better than thou. For they are all sons of God and heirs of salvation. Acts 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. That's what you do for Christians. You pray prayer of supplication. You are not standing there as somebody go between, between them and God. You are just praying prayer of supplication on behalf of your brothers and sisters as the Spirit of God lays in your heart. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching therefore with all perseverance supplication for all saints. When you pray for all saints, see, when you pray for all men, for all men, you put intercession there. When you pray for all saints, you put supplication because you are not a go-between, between them and God. You are not. They are not enemies of God. Jesus has established peace between them and God by his blood. But you can pray for them. As the Spirit leads you, you can pray for them. But not as enemies of God. That's called supplication for all saints. For all saints. Pray for all men. Intercession. So that they be saved. For all saints. Supplication. Look at Philippians 4. Says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, this is you praying for yourself. It didn't, you, you are doing supplication for yourself. That's what you do for other believers too. You can't, you can't do supplication for yourself and then turn around and do intercession for another believer. That's wrong. Because God is no respecter of persons. All of you are equal before God. You are sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So who gives you the privilege now to stand up and say, see their sinners, let me supplicate, do intercession for them. No. The blood of Jesus intercedes for all of us. He's the righteous one. He's the propitiation for our sins. The Holy Spirit intercedes for all of us. But we Christians are to intercede for those who don't know God. And among ourselves, we do supplication for all sins. Now let's go to the, the third prayer. Prayer of commitment. Prayer to cast things into the hand of God once and for all. Once and for all. The law, the, the, the thing that guides this prayer is you do it once and for all. It's not every day you go and be committing things. No, no, no. Once and for all. First Peter 5, 7. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately, cares about you watchfully. You commit it once and for all on him. Second Timothy 1.12 For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed into, unto him against that day. So when you commit something into the hand of God, God has got it. God takes care of it. You commit it once and for all. He got it. He got it, man. He got it. 
You don't got it anymore. He has it. So that's the law that guides this type of prayer is that it's done once and for all. You leave it with him. The other thing is that you must switch off anxiety. You must switch off anxiety, worries, all of it. Because anxiety and worry shows you have not really committed it into the hand of God. Because if God has got it, then you should have peace. Because God is able to handle it. That's what Paul says. I'm persuaded. He's able to keep what I gave him and work on it. So when do you really switch to this type of prayer? When you have done all you know how to, and nothing is working, you need to switch to this way of a of a, a commitment, and follow it immediately with prayer of praise and worship. Both of them, you, both those two prayers will go together at this point. Once you committed it into the hand of God, you switch immediately to praise and worship, because that helps to kill anxiety. That helps to kill. You know, the devil will come and bring all manner of contrary thoughts and things. No, but you praise and worship. So you see, see, you, you switch from this prayer to this prayer. You switch from this. You committed to the hand of God. Then you start praising, continue to praise, continue to worship all the time. If your mind goes to this, no, 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 I committed to the hand of God. You worship God. The, the devil says, no, it's, see, it's not working. No, 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 I committed to the hand of God. I give you praise, Lord. You are working on it. You're able to handle what I committed to your hand. You see, you, you, are, you are using multiple prayers on a particular issue. When do you pray this prayer? When you are battling worry and anxiety, then you switch to this type of prayer. Sometimes you need to rebuke the spirit of anxiety. You have to, sometimes, not always, sometimes. But you switch to this prayer, immediately, and say, Lord, all these things that are worrying me, you say to casting the whole of your care, all your anxiety, all your worries, cast it onto the Lord. Say, Lord, you take it, I can handle it. Over to you. This thing works. People, it works if you do it and do it right and cease from worrying, cease from anxiety. It really, really works wonders. It does work. I'm telling you, if, if you're worrying, to know when you have really been able to cast it to the Lord, when you have peace, no more worry, then you have given it to him. But if you're worrying, the reason you're worrying is because you still have it. So it's bothering you what to do. You know, so if you, are, if, you are not, if you are not done, you say, Lord, I, think, I don't think I've given you this thing. Because I still worry about it. Because if God has got it, why are you worrying? You are worrying because you still have it. So you are worrying, oh, how would this happen? No, 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 no. When you give it to God, you go back and say, Lord, I'm giving you this thing. Once and for all. Now here we go. Lord, you see all these things that are bothering me. Worrying me. I cast it into your hand. Boom. Once and for all. I'm not taking it back. And they begin to worship it's a battle. Begin to worship. Begin to worship. And then you fight the fight of faith. I say, no, I committed it to his hand. And the devil say, but it's not working. No, I'm not working by sight. No, 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 I'm not working. I'm not even looking at your pictures. God is able to keep what I committed to his hand. He's a faithful God. Let me tell us something. There is no earthly father who wants to do for you as much as God wants to do things for us. No, no human being cares for us as much as God cares. It's not as if to say that God left us in this world, you know, go and be suffering and whatever. Let me, I'm watching you. Let me see if you do well. No, he said, if you're in fire, I'm there with you. If you go into water, I am there with you. I'm never leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. I'm with you all the time. Even until the end of the earth, I'm still there with you. So he's there to help. He's our helper. 
He said, I'll help her. He said, give me your burden. I'll give you rest. So it's something that we need to learn to do. It's called prayer of commitment. In uh, Philippians 4, he said, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, define request, definite request. Definite request. With thanksgiving, you see? With thanksgiving. Continue to make your want known unto God. And just taking the, the first part of it that says, don't be anxious for anything. Don't be worried about anything. And then just trying to let us know that we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. Even in prayer, anxiety, anxiety will hinder your prayer. Worry will hinder your prayer. Even cause you physical health issues. You know the source of anxiety is where you are looking. If you are looking at your problem, you have anxiety. The devil knows where you are looking is where he's walking. He's the one causing the trouble. So he goes and makes it worse. Because he knows he caught you. You are looking at it. You think he's stupid. He'll make it worse so as to finish it. And then you come yapping, say, they're not walking. And they're not walking. And then you go back and start canceling all the prayers prayed. You go back. Start wavering. Nothing will work. It's where you are looking. Where you are looking. Isaiah 26.3 Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So if, we, if you stop looking at that and start looking at God, keeping, it in, keeping your eyes on Scripture, meditating on Scripture day and night, God says, I keep you in perfect peace because he trusted in thee. Verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. You see, where we look matters, brethren. Let me remind us that the devil knows. So he went to Eve. And what he did to Eve was to get Eve to look. And Eve looked and said, wow, this thing is good to the eye. The next thing she did was to eat it. But what preceded the eating? Looking. We we eat the apple of unbelief by looking. Hebrews 12.2. We do this. That's the way we, we live our Christian life. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Is that too difficult? Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. His shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Psalm 127 verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. God gives us sleep and rest. It's a source of peace. We should have peace in ourselves. It's, it's, it's part of our weapon of warfare. Peace. Peace in ourselves. Because we have peace with God. We should have peace in ourselves. And the Bible said our peace with God gives us the ability to have peace with one another. We're going to study it when we come to studying the, 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 the epistles. Our peace with God gives us the ability to now have peace with one another and have a community of believers from diverse backgrounds. So you should have peace in yourself. Having peace with God assures you that all the blessings are yours. You have access to God. Why are you worried? Matthew 6, 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? None. So why worry? Number two, the thing that causes anxiety 
It's allowing the spirit of doubt and unbelief to take over your mind with guilt and self-condemnation because we focus on sin all the time instead of focusing on Christ. I don't know scripture that says we should focus on sin. I just don't know. I, why do we just choose what we do just like that? Is there any scripture that says focus on sin? All we see is sin. sin. So let me tell us something. You know pornography. You know why it's dangerous? It's because it's sight. Once you start looking at pornography, it starts affecting your body immediately. The same thing we see. If anything you are focusing on starts affecting you immediately, it's the same thing. Once you start looking at pornography, it immediately starts affecting your body. You start looking at sin, lie, lie, lying. If we start looking at sin, even in our lives, it, the same thing pornography does, it starts affecting us. And then the devil will jump in and accuse you mercilessly. And I've said it that Sunday. This is one of the most dangerous demons. What that thing does, you don't want it. You need to fight him off your, your life. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser, accuser of our brethren, is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. That is a weapon he uses to destroy your faith. He will make you see only sin. You won't see any good thing God has done. You won't see any good thing God is doing. All you see is fault. Say fault in yourself. Fault in somebody else. You confess, God forgive me today, tomorrow. God forgive me for yesterday. The devil will still come and say, Remember, God forgive me again. And they can't do all this kind of thing. Verse 11, and overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The blood speaks for us. The blood washes us of all our righteousness. The blood speaks for us. That blood mediates peace between me and God, between you and God. You should fight for what God has given you in Christ. You should hold fast to that confession of faith if you want to overcome. That's why I said then, not only the blood, not only blood. He says, and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives to the dead. They don't care. They're not full of fear. You testify and agree with what God has said it's to establish the word of God in your life. It's, it's established in heaven, but you have to establish it in your life. It's your responsibility. You say what God says. Then we have a great high priest who is ministering before God with his blood pleading mercy for us. Hebrews 12, 24. You have come to Jesus the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance. Why are you now thinking of vengeance on yourself? Is that what the blood is saying for you? Why not hold the same testimony with the blood? Crying out for, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel, Hebrews 4.14, seeing them 
that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly, come boldly, come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help us time of need. Because of the ministry of our great high priest, the blood is at the mercy seat. Mercy is guaranteed. His mercy will never depart from us. That's blood that speaks mercy. 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 So the, the scripture says you can come boldly. There is peace between you and God. Come boldly. Come. Come boldly and receive grace. Grace is what you don't merit. Mercy is not punishing you for what you merit. God said, that's what I'm giving you. You don't have to pay for it. Come and take it. It's my love for you. It's, it's who I am. Oh, no, won't take it. <laughs> won't take it. What I did yesterday, what I did yesterday. You are calling for vengeance. God says, I'm calling for mercy. Why are you calling for vengeance? Don't let the devil put vengeance, desire for vengeance for your life. And don't call for vengeance on other people. Number four, prayer of praise or prayer of worship. Prayer of praise, sometimes, see like we said, you pray this combination of prayer, of commitment and prayer of praise. No. And then prayer of praise accompanies almost every prayer. Almost every prayer. Prayer, it is done, how is it done? It is done by saying something of praise or singing. It is not done by saying, I'm praising in my heart. No, sir. No. That's not what the Bible said. Let's see what the Bible said. Hebrew 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, it defined this, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name. So don't say, Pastor, I know I'm just praising God. I'm praising in my heart. No. Oh, the scripture says, it is fruit of our lips. It has to come out. The law of it is has to come out. Let's talk about prayer of praise. It is your entering prayer into God's presence. Psalm 100, verse 4. Pastor Victor preached on this powerfully one time. Uh, uh, on, this, on this very scripture. It was so powerful that very Sunday. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's how you enter. That's how you enter. The disciples started to pray. They said, they said, God, thou art God. You made heaven and earth. They started to praise. That's what, how you enter. You don't enter with murmuring, complaining, grudging, seeking vengeance for yourself when the blood is, is pleading for you. You won't accept it. Let's be humble. Let's be humble and take great mercy. Proud people don't take mercy. They want to pay for their sin. Show God how holy they are. Oh, somebody like me. You're wasting your time. You're just wasting eating sorrow for nothing. Calling for vengeance. Will you stand vengeance if it comes? 
Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth for all generations. His word is forever true. So you should have everything to praise God for. You trust his word. It endures all generations. It's not yesterday, no tomorrow. No, you can trust his word. If he says so, that's what it is. Regardless of what is happening, you enter and lift up your hands and worship him. For the Lord is good all the time. He doesn't do evil. Number two. It is spiritual sacrifice as priests that we offer. We don't offer other. God told us the sacrifices that we should be offering to him. This is not what I'm teaching about. I've mentioned this one now. First Peter 2.5. Ye also as lively stones. You are lively stones. Are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Through Christ Jesus. So what are these spiritual, spiritual sacrifices that we as priests also bring? What is that sacrifice that we ought to be offering to God on his altar as priests? Here we go. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. You see, that's one of them. As a priest of God, you should bring the sacrifice of praise. That's one of them. Continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. 16. But it tells us another sacrifice. But to do good, to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is so well pleased. There are other sacrifices, but this is where we are teaching on prayer. You know? So we, have, we bring all these sacrifices to God. Sacrifice of praise. You, that's when, when you are a priest, so when you want to minister to the Lord, you bring your sacrifice. Priests bring sacrifices to the altar. What God says to bring is praise and worship continually in your house, in your kitchen. When things go sour, go south. Bring the sacrifice of praise. Bring it. And don't forget to do good to people. Not, be, not, not vengeance, not you know, not revenge, not resentment. No, do good to all men. It's sacrifice that we bring. To do good, to communicate is to share with what you have. Share love, share mercy, share forgiveness. You know, be a defying. Let your life be light. Share the life, that, the life of Christ and you share it. When you talk to people, talk to them to defy them. You are sharing the love that God poured into you. Don't forget to do those things. That's your sacrifice as a priest that you bring to the altar of God. That's what he's saying. Now, praise is an act of faith that God has answered your prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So we talked about it, that you should know when God has answered your prayer, and it is your, it is your personal journey with God. You should be able to be confident in your personal journey with God, how God is developing you. Don't look at other people's testimony. You can be inspired by their testimony, but be confident in the God that is teaching you, guiding you. He's taking you from glory to glory. And you'll get there, you know. Now, the second law about this is once you start thanking God on an issue, you cannot stop. 
You can't go back and say, oh, well, Lord, you know, it didn't work. Let me start praying again. You cancel everything. James 1.6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't receive if you're, you are thanking God, you are praising God, you are worshiping God, and tomorrow you are murmuring, complaining, you know, what oh, is happening to me, and then you are looking for pity party, and you have a lot of people who come for your pity party. And the only person who, who will not come is Jesus. Because that's not the offering he says to bring. It's not the sacrifice. You are bringing something. Nobody, he won't accept it. I know that you know what is happening to me. Some of us just are so addicted to seeking for sympathy. So addicted to that. It's like cocaine. Seeking for sympathy. Somebody who say, oh, is that what you're suffering? Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Is that what, how does it help? How does it help? Praise and worship in the darkest hour of our lives. We turn things around quick. Priest, you put on your priestly robe of righteousness and you go to the altar and lift up your hands. Your altar is where you are. In your car, in your kitchen, in your bathroom. You go to your altar and lift up and say, Lord, I bring my sacrifice. I want to worship. I'm a priest. I stand right here with my, with my sacrifice. I sacrifice. I bring it, Lord, sacrifice of praise to worship you with it. Acts 16.20 And brought them to the he, the magistrate saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to re- receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates went off their clothes, commanded to beat them. 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. 24. Who, having received such an, a charge, now thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stock. 25. And at midnight, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners had them. You see, the law is that it's for it's, it's of your lips. They didn't say, we're worshiping God in our heart. No. People had them. They prayed. Prayer. Supplication, thanksgiving. So they ended with thanksgiving. They prayed and ended with thanksgiving. They prayed and they went into their priestly office and brought the sacrifice of praise in the midst of that, that hour, in the innermost talk where there is no hope. No, nobody can set them free. No, 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 no. They are still priests. It does not change anything. You are still priest of God. You are still priest of God. You still have the robe of righteousness. You have been called to that position. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what is happening, you can stay there and say, I'm a priest unto God, called to be a priest. Here I come. I bring my I bring this sacrifice unto you, Lord. Bring it. Worship you as a priest of God. You called us to be priests unto you. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was, was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's band was loosed. You see what praise does? God is fearful in praise. Powerful in praise. First, I think First Chronicles Chronic 21 or 2nd, I forgot it, where Jehoshaphat went to battle. It's, it's praise. 
The people that when they got, God gave them the land, and God told them not to destroy those people. Those people came later on to fight them, and the have to say, God, you see, these the people are the people you say we should not destroy. Now they've come to take our inhabit, inheritance from us. You are God. Now listen to me, church. You won't pray that prayer today. Because if they come to take your inheritance, you have the name of Jesus, you say, you are not taking it. What things ever is disallowed, disallowed to you. They are in the Old Testament. Don't go to God and say, see what, I've come to take my hand. No, 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 you stand and fight. Then the Old Testament. So you can say, oh God, see what, see what they have done. And then the Spirit of God said to them, don't fear about them. The battle is the Lord. We'll deal with them. And then they appointed singers and said, we've had God, that's it. We're going to praise God. They started to walk in faith. And they worked for them. They really worked for them. But you have had God too now. Have you not had all the promises in Christ that were fulfilled for you? Have you not had God? Fear not. I'm with you. Be not dismayed. I'm thy God. Have you not had God say that? Have you not had God tell you, the greater one is in you than he that ends the world. You have overcome them. Have you not had God? Have you not had God? Are you saying you have not had God? So why are you not praising? Why are you not doing what they did? He said, believe the prophets and believe, believe God and believe his prophets. The prophets of God have written the scriptures to us. Believe God and believe those scriptures. You have every reason to praise God. I don't care what that thing is. You have every reason to pray. Have you not had God? Would you say, I have not had God? If you have not had God, read your Bible. Go let the Holy Spirit reveal to you the things that have been given to you freely in Christ. The things that pertain to life and godliness that God has equipped you with powerful things. Powerful that no man can give you, that God gave you. Those things are the things that make you live in glory, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Have you not heard it before? That you are an overcomer, more than conqueror. Didn't you hear that? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Have you not heard God? Why not believe God and believe his prophets? And do what Jehoshaphat did. And begin to worship as a priest. Aren't you a priest? Now, ministering to the Lord in praise, praise and worship, you know, creates an atmosphere where the Spirit of God really moves in your lives. Now, there are these people who were, this is not in the whole church. These were, these were um, uh, certain leaders in the church. They were just fasting like we are doing. They were not asking anything. All they were doing was worshiping God. Can you believe that? They were just worshiping God. God is good all the time. I started from verse 1. Now they were in the church that was at Arioch, certain prophets and teachers. It's not everybody. As Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, Minion, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. They were not asking anything. They were just hanging out with Jesus. They were not asking for anything. They were ministering to the Lord. And first, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work we are unto I have called them. They didn't even stop their fast. They fasted. And when they fasted and prayed, they fasted some more and prayed and laid their hands on them. They sent them away. So they, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, they parted on the solution, solution and, for, and from things they sailed to Cyprus. You see what happened? They were just hanging out with Jesus, having a good time with him, just worshiping him. 
telling him how much they love him, appreciating him for what he did for them, just fasting and dealing with their flesh so that they can have, so that the spirit will have ascendancy. Because fasting is not to change God. Fasting is for you. Fasting doesn't change God. It doesn't change God at all. If you fast all you want to, if you still don't pray in faith, let that man not think he receive anything. Fasting is for us. It's, to, it's for the flesh, not for God. Because the promises of God are here and amen in Christ Jesus. So they were fasting and worshiping, ministering to the Lord. Powerful. And the Spirit of God spoke and said, this is what I want people to do. I can see how powerful the ministry of Paul was and Barnabas too. So let's, the fifth one, the last one we want to talk about today is prayer of agreement. The law is that there must be agreement. There has to be agreement. There has to be agreement. You pray it when you need prayer support. So you start with making sure both of you understand this prayer. Don't just be going, to, bro, bro, agree with me. He doesn't even understand what the scripture says. I agree, bros, agree with me, I get the job. I agree with you. That's not prayer. For, you haven't even prayed. That's the point. We don't follow Bible. How, have you prayed? So the condition there is that two of you shall agree on earth. We are not in Jupiter. We are here on earth. As not in anything, both of them shall ask. So they have to pray first. They have to ask something. And what do they agree on? They agree that God has answered it. Then it shall be done. So if I want to pray prayer for agreement, I'll come to you and say, bro, can we go through this scripture and see what he's saying? Then we read it. Two of you shall agree on it as touching anything, anything they shall ask. So what is the thing you want us to pray about? I want us to pray that this, the Lord will give you this is the will of God. This is what I'm praying for God to give me. And then, okay, that's something I want. Okay, do you, so he agree, because he may not agree. He may not really want, he may not be in agreement with you about God giving it to you. He may not, he may not, may not believe that this is the will of God for you. So you need to really, really have an agreement. Agree that, yeah, this is the will of God for him. Okay, we agree. So both of you can't pray at the same time. Because if you pray at the same time, I don't know what you are saying, you don't know what I'm saying. You have to let one pray, the other person listen. So after he prays, he said, he had what I asked to say. He said, can we agree that God has answered on this prayer? He said, yeah, we agree. I agree with you that God has answered this prayer. Because he said, whatever two of you shall ask here on earth. So we have asked this thing, and we have an agreement that is done. God said it will be done. So you go back and say to the Lord, thank you. Because we, two of us have agreed as concerning this which we asked. We have agreed that it is done. So the, the word is fulfilled. It's done. Now, after this agreement, don't go and begin to pray again about it. You destroy the agreement. You, de- you ruin the agreement. It won't work. Once you agree, you have agreed, it's yea and amen. Don't talk about it. If you, the, ne- the only thing you can do is praise God about it, to worship God and say, Lord, it's done. Your word is true. Your word is amen. So the law is that once there's agreement, you can't go out and disagree. Telling your friend, if you know, Ah, God, I just trust God. My friend is over. Just forget it. Praise the Lord. I think we'll stop here. On Thursday, we'll deal with the rest of the, of the um, various types of prayers. And then we go into our team for the year. We haven't even started it. We're going to start studying the epistles. 
And we're going to start with the, I won't tell you today. I will tell you when we get it. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this privilege to teach us different type of prayers that the Holy Spirit have revealed to the church to be praying in different occasions. We trust you, Lord, that you cause these words to bear fruit in every hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.